David, you're not going to fire me, are you? You're not going to leave me off. <laughs> I, I think it does take two people to do this podcast, at least you I and I. I was not prepared for that question. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan, uh, um, well, can I see you in my office after this? <laughs> I'll, I'll be better, David. Uh, <laughs> Bankless Nation, happy fourth Friday and the final Friday of February 2023. David, what time is it? Ryan, it's the Bankless Friday weekly roll-up where we cover the entire weekly news in crypto, which is always an ambitious endeavor, yet we persevere into the frontier. Nonetheless, like we always do with coffee. Got coffee? Uh, I've got I always coffee. Have Let coffee. me tell you. I've I, got, I've I got can tell coffee. you. And I don't know if that's the coffee speaking right now, David, or that excitement in your voice is just like all of the incredible like awesome things news that we're going to talk about happened this week. Yeah. Like what the hell? This mm-hmm. is a, it's a good day to be going bankless, my friends. It's a good day Let me to tell be in crypto. We, you know what? We, we shouldn't tease them any longer. We should just get into some of the headlines that we're going to discuss mm-hmm. in this epic weekly roll up the fourth Friday of February. David, what's on the agenda? Coinbase drops the base. A new blue layer two on the scene. Yeah, that's right. Coinbase has its own dedicated layer two. A new blue layer two. A new blue layer two. Yeah, you like that one? Uh, And so we're going to talk about all those details. What does that mean? What does it mean for for Coinbase to have its own layer two? Uh, How did they? How are they building that? What what are all the implications behind that? So we're going to unpack that and more because Bankless got the scoop. Uh, So coming up after that. And the sad, sad news, uh, SEC sues Terraform Labs and Do Kwon, which, I mean, that's not a surprise, but the implications of what that lawsuit might imply are bad. So we've got to talk about the details, the precedent that that might set if that goes forward. And then third, Spotify, uh, the app that some of you are using right now to listen to this podcast is going to have tokens in it soon, Yeah, which is pretty cool. Seems like it. Seems like maybe podcast NFTs. Podcast maybe NFTs. Music yeah. NFTs are a thing. Token gating. We're going to get into all of that and more. David, before we do, we got to talk to folks about something we don't often talk about on Bankless. And that is, what does it mean to become a citizen of the Bankless Nation? I'm going to really close question. that URL. Do you know why? Because that was a, this is our new beta site, by the mm. way. This is going <laughs> live in about a week's time. Soon, I think our dev team might kill me. Soon, soon TM. TM. Mm-hmm. Week, two weeks. And you have the opportunity to become a bankless citizen. It includes our token reports where we dive in, our analysts uh, talk about token ratings for all sorts of popular tokens. Which is getting, these tokens are getting an update, by the way, as a result of today's news. So these token reports always stay updated as the meta shifts. Yes. And it's because um, David and I are, um, look, we're not plugged into the day to day. We we hired a talented team of analysts to actually Mm -hmm. put these together. And they're uh, smarter than us. And okay, these are on us. the frontier. Yeah, uh-huh. uh, yeah. D- Dave and I are losing our reflexes. All right, <laughs> we we were top of our game three years ago. We are no longer, but we have the best people who are doing this. We also have a Bankless Nation member-only Discord. We talk about a lot. Uh, a premium podcast feed mm-hmm. with a ton of goodies. And David, just this week, we released the debrief on mm-hmm. the premium podcast feed. We also released a um, a special Q and A Twitter session Twitter space, that yeah. we had with Eliezer. Uh, Eliezer Eliezer Yudkowsky, of course. 
And that was the Q&A that we had promised after that um, crazy episode that we recorded. So all sorts of goodies come on the special premium podcast feed. You can only unlock that when you become a Bankless citizen. All the extra content that we have that we don't have space for in the normal RSS feed, all the extra content gets on the premium RSS feed. But those are only some of the details. You get to go to our In Real Life Denver meetup. You get to go to all the future meetups that we'll have at ECC and Permissionless. Uh, you'll get to unlock future access for things that we can't yet talk about. There's a bunch of reasons to become a citizen of the Bankless Nation. You can also join my Q&A uh, channel and ask me questions if you want to ask me. Can I ask me a question? Well, I've never well, done that. In my Q&A channel, sure. <laughs> Just so, I can't, can't in real life. I have to reserve no. it for the Q&A. That's what the channel's for. It, yeah, okay. <laughs> Fair enough, David. <laughs> uh, anyway, all this, $17 a month. It's like a Netflix subscription. Mm. That much Netflix costs. And uh, anyway... We think you should become a member of the Bankless Nation. We'd love, love to have, to have you on you. the journey with us. Yeah. David, let's get into the markets this week. What let's is Bitcoin it. price doing for us? And we're viewing this, of course, on our favorite place to exchange tokens. Kraken. Kraken. Our number one recommended crypto exchange. These are the charts for Bitcoin and the dollar. What are we looking at on the week? Uh, looking at on the week, start of the week at $25,000. Ending the week at $24,000, which means Bitcoin is down 4%. Uh, you are zoomed super far out. You are looking at like a year's time frame. Right? <laughs> uh, but that's right, what, if this. you zoom in, that's what we are now. We are down 4% on the week, lost $1,000 off of the Bitcoin market cap. All right. How about Ether? What's that doing on the week? Ether down 3.3%. Start of the week at 1725. Currently ending the week at 1650. 1650. 1650. Yeah. So mm -hmm. wait, you said is it up or down? Down. Down. Down Why are we down? Doesn't feel like we should okay, be so down. Because like seven days ago was like the top tick of last week. So like sometimes we just fall victim to unfortunate timings of what was exactly 24 or 77 uh, days ago. So it was basically all, a flat-ish week, it pretty but flat it just yeah. looks kind of down. We, we dumped it down, like Ether hit $1,600. Bitcoin also kind of hit a, a recent low, but then we bounced right back off of that. And so the, the bulls and the bears are in a very strong game of tug of war right now. Look, I'm not even using the browser tabs for this. I'm using the Kraken tabs yeah, for this. I'm so uh, proud of you. ETH Bitcoin ratio, what's that looking out like 0.069, on uh, which is relatively unchanged on the week, up about half a percent. All right, but still not up uh, in the re like to the recent yeah. highs, but right? Below 0 0.07 is like kind of a low for Ether uh, in the ratio in, in local terms. Bitcoin having a bit of a recovery, we might say. Some people are really yeah. celebrating that. Mm -hmm. um, we'll see if that lasts. Uh, total crypto market cap. What are we, above a trillion? Above a trillion, so down on the week, but $1.15 trillion. All right, David, let's uh, cover what's going on in the Fed real quick, because I just really want to get to some of the crypto news yeah. this week. Um, yeah. The first is this, the FMOC had their meeting. Here's what you need to know. Um, all officials, almost all the officials favored moving 0.25 uh, percentage points or BIPs, point, uh, 25 BIPs, uh, in the next meeting, I, I'm just saying bips, 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 because David hates that. Um, yeah, but you also fumbled it, which kind of goes to my point. Bips <laughs> is dumb. Bips are dumb. <laughs> uh, the next meeting, anyway, we'll probably see a 25 bip <laughs> basis point increase on, in March. And then uh, some of them want a 50, a 0.5 percent. All right, never mind. I'm not doing the bips thing. Yeah, uh, thank you. A, some of them want a 0.5% increase, and they're probably not going to get it. But the Fed says, basically, forget about the pivot. We still got work to do on the inflation. We're not pivoting now. And the market doesn't expect the federal funds rate, the inflation, uh, the, sorry, the interest rate to increase beyond about 5.3%. So we're kind of close to peak, at least 
according to the market. So that's what's going on there. Um, the interest rates aren't hiking as fast as they used to be. And we might get close to a top. What is going on in the world of ultrasound money, though, David? Uh, it's at all-time lows in supply since the merge. Uh, so that's just great. I think how much Ether have we burnt since the merge? So 35,000 Ether. Wow. In 160 days. So almost 35,000 35, Ether in, in half of a year. That's that's just great. That's just yeah. great. The, the down only on the supply. Yeah, this is all time lows. Big time. I, I mean, every single week we, we've hit all time lows every single week for like um, um, over a month now. I think we we are negative six bips, David. Can you believe that? <laughs> inflation. I hate that you just said that. <laughs> six point six bips to be precise. Yeah. So yearly deflation is point zero six six percent negative. That's pretty cool. Why, why do we always talk about this? There's yeah. some context for this. Here, here's a tweet we pulled up. What does this say? Yeah, so this is from Data Always, uh, who has been pushing back on the focus from ETH influencers, if you will, about from bagless. the bird. Just say bagless. <laughs> <The bird. laughs> it's a fault. Uh, so Data Always retweets uh, their own tweet. The first tweet says, the ultrasound money cult really confuses me. If we match the highest ever yearly average burn, we see a supply decrease of 2 to 3%. With constant uh, fully uh, diluted value, it's an insignificant price pump. Deflation is a meme. The bull case is flows. Uh, and then they continue and say, most of the responses to this just go to show how few uh, people understand flows and how much information asymmetry still exists. The issuance reduction matters a lot. The nuance is that the rate of burn deflation means almost nothing for flows. Okay, what do they mean when they, when they say this tweet? What they're basically saying is that the real... Uh, price catalyst was the merge, not the burn, as in the elimination of proof of work issuance is the thing that changed the flows, as in killing all of that inf issuance uh, killed the outbound flow away from Ether, the asset, as in the sell pressure was eliminated. They are saying that the burn, the thing that you and I talk about at the start of every single uh, weekly roll-up, Ryan, is much more insignificant because in comparison to the actual total market cap of Ether, how much we are burning is insignificant and it doesn't impact the flows of the sell or buy pressure of Ether. So they're saying that the deflation is a meme. The people that focus on the burn are, are focusing on a meme and not the fundamentals. The real fundamentals is the flows, which is a combination of uh, eliminating the proof of work issuance, which I said, but then also just net new buying pressure. So just because like we're burning ether doesn't mean anyone's buying it. Uh, so that is the pushback from data always here. I just heard ultrasound money cult and I stopped listening, David. Are we in a cult? <laughs> What's going on here? Hey, but you know what? I think we're pretty reasonable about it. I think this uh, point is a good point, of course. Um, and yet it's also what I think uh, many in the so-called ultrasound money cult, I don't know what cult, I and mean, when people refer to cult, I don't know who they're talking sure. about, yeah. but at least on Bankless, I think this is pretty consistent with what we've said from the very yep. beginning. Mm -hmm. The reason we uh, talk about this and are celebrating this is not from a flows perspective and, and number go up. It's because, guys, look, Ethereum has a monetary policy now, mm -hmm. and it's pretty badass. Right. I, mean, I think I think takes like this don't remember the time from uh, 2018 and 2019 when ETH as money was in complete dispute, and the 21 million hard cap was the only way you could design a hard money cryptocurrency right. market cap. It's the only way that we knew. It's the only mechanism well, we yeah. had. What we're celebrating is this mechanic and what we're trying to spread is the knowledge of how this works. That is right. the purpose of the ultrasound money meme. So I don't dispute the facts mm -hmm. in this case, but um, I'm going to you know continue to, to talk about this and celebrate so click, it until more people understand. Click into that tweet and then scroll down because I, I think I gave a response to this tweet. Uh, oh, yeah, so and so here's what I said. It's less about the raw numbers of deflation and more about the fact that 
uh, Ethereum is a self-governing economic system that's able to capture its own energy. So like the ETH supply chart, the thing that we look at, is a cool way to illustrate the activity of Ethereum. If there is a strong, vibrant economy, that means Ether is deflating. And so deflation is a symptom of high activity on the Ethereum app layer. So that's that's why I celebrate deflation. It's because like, oh, there's activity happening. The cri crypto's not dead yet. Like if we are deflating, crypto's not dead yet. Yeah. Well, Data always replied and said, all I want is for people to stop worshipping the chart. So stop worshipping the ultrasound money chart, maybe. We'll try. Um, I'll do my best. <laughs> no promises. <laughs> what do we got today? This is a big week for Arbitrum. They just mm -hmm. passed an important milestone. What did they accomplish? Oh, just transaction volume is through the absolute roof. Uh, so the new all-time high in transaction volume for Arbitrum, I think 2x is previous all-time high. Uh, so just really healthy activity. Speaking of he healthy activity on an app layer, Arbitrum passed Ethereum. Arbitrum a layer two by itself passed the Ethereum L1 transaction. First capacity. time this has First happened ever. 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 And it won't yeah. be the last. Definitely not. Definitely I mean, not. The, these uh, L2s are going to go sky high relative I'm gonna to I'm going to guess Ethereum a new layer two is going to come onto the scene and absolutely blow past all other layer twos and transaction capacity. And Wait. my prediction for this will be uh, talked about in a short time. <laughs> what do we got here, David? Here's another take on Arbitrum uh, getting into some details of this data. Yeah, same same conversation. Uh, take a look at this efficiency, says Hunter, who I know is an Arbitrum fan because he's got the small brains PFP. February 24th on 2022, which was pre-Nitro upgrade, Arbitrum's Nitro upgrade, Arbitrum did 106,000 transactions, which cost $165,000 in fees. Uh, a year later, February 20th, 2023, post-Nitro, Arbitrum did basically a million transactions it with $155,000 in fees. So basically a 10x in total transaction volume, 9x, uh, and then basically a zero change in the actual fees it took to get that done. So eight, yeah, 8.7x increase in capacity uh, with $10,000 saved in fees. And that's, that's, that's because what scale like. they are able to compress more things in an Ethereum uh, transaction in a mm -hmm. like piece of Ethereum block, right? So mm -hmm. their compression technology has gotten better right. uh, over the last 12 months. That's what that means. That's exactly right. And then the last thing in the market that so we'll talk about, Coinbase's Q4 2022 earnings are out. And uh, an interesting note here is the uh, how much each asset, Bitcoin, Ether, or other coins, represented of the total trading volume on Coinbase. Uh, and so if you zoom into that little graphic, Ryan, so last year in Q4 of 2021, it was 16% Bitcoin, 16% Ethereum, 68% all other crypto assets of trading volume. This year, it's 35% Bitcoin, 33% Ethereum, 33% other crypto assets. Uh, so I think this just shows that like speculation on the long tail of crypto assets has kind of gone out the door and people have flown towards blue chips. Totally. And uh, Ethereum and Bitcoin neck and neck. Yeah. for that mm -hmm. uh, title of trading volume king at least on coinbase that's pretty big david but we got some bigger stuff coming up mm -hmm. give us a tease coin based coinbase drops the base we're going to talk about the brand new coinbase layer two uh which there's so much to talk about there uh and so we're going to unpack all of those details uh not only did we have the opportunity to interview jesse pollock from coinbase about this vision uh the uh, bankless zoomer analysts were able to put in some alpha report so we'll talk about all that and more four huge revelations in the sec's charges against doquan and terra labs <laughs> Why so late? Why didn't they do this earlier? Maybe they were waiting for a more uh, warm climate for them to push past more precedent that's stricter. Perhaps we'll talk about all of that. Uh, and then royalties caught in the crossfire of the NFT marketplace wars. 
Uh, we got an update on withdrawals. We got to talk about uh, Spotify. So much to talk about. But first, a moment to talk about some of these fantastic sponsors that make the show possible, especially Kraken, our strategic sponsor for 2023. Check them out. Kraken has been a leader in the crypto industry for the last 12 years. Dedicated to accelerating the global adoption of crypto, Kraken puts an emphasis on security, transparency, and client support, which is why over 9 million clients have come to love Kraken's products. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, the Kraken UX is simple, intuitive, and frictionless, making the Kraken app a great place for all to get involved and learn about crypto. For those with experience, the redesigned Kraken Pro app and web experience is completely customizable to your trading needs. Integrating key trading features into one seamless interface. Kraken has a 24-7, 365 client support team that is globally recognized. Kraken support is available wherever, whenever you need them, by phone, chat, or email. And for all of you NFTers out there, the brand new Kraken NFT beta platform gives you the best NFT trading experience possible. Rarity rankings, no gas fees, and the ability to buy an NFT straight with cash. Does your crypto exchange prioritize its customers the way that Kraken does? And if not, sign up with Kraken at Kraken. Hey, Bankless Nation. If you're listening to this, it's because you're on the free Bankless RSS feed. Did you know that there's an ad-free version of Bankless that comes with the Bankless Premium subscription? No ads, just straight to the content. But that's just one of many things that a premium subscription gets you. There's also the Token Report, a monthly bullish, bearish, neutral report on the hottest tokens of the month. And the regular updates from the Token Report go into the Token Bible, your first stop shop for every token worth investigating in crypto. Bankless Premium also gets you a 30% discount to the Permissionless Conference, which means it basically just pays for itself. There's also the airdrop guide to make sure you don't miss a drop in 2023. But really, the best part about Bankless Premium is hanging out with me, Ryan, and the rest of the Bankless team in the Inner Circle Discord only for premium members. Want the alpha? Check out Ben the Analyst's DGen Pit, where you can ask him questions about the token report. Got a question? I've got my own Q&A room for any questions that you might have. At Bankless, we have huge things planned for 2023, including a new website with login with your Ethereum address capabilities, and we're super excited to ship what we are calling Bankless 2.0 soon TM. So if you want extra help exploring the frontier, subscribe to Bankless Premium. It's under 50 cents a day and provides a wealth of knowledge and support on your journey west. I'll see you in the Discord. Guys, it actually happened. Coinbase is going to be the first exchange, the first US publicly traded company to launch a layer two. David, that layer two is called Base. It's based on optimism technology. It settles on Ethereum. It is fully EVM compliant. David, what are the details here? So the Base testnet is live today. That is what is being announced today. The Base testnet, testnet layer two, uh, mainnet, soon TM. There's no date launched for the mainnet. Um, we'll get this out of the way. Base, the token, does not exist. There is no Base token. There is no Base currency. There is no airdrop. There is only a testnet for a rollup called Base from Coinbase that is built on the OP stack from Optimism. Uh, but there are significant second order uh, effects of this. And like, first off, just like think about this from first principles. Coinbase is building a optimistic rollup to enter the arena alongside Optimism, Arbitrum, Polygon, and now Base. And so like you can add Base to that list. It is going to be the uh, like official chain of Coinbase. So this is kind of like the Binance Smart Chain, but for Coinbase, it is fully permissionless for developers to build on. So 
Uniswap, you, I will expect to see um, governance votes from like things like Uniswap, Aave saying, hey, we should deploy our application on base. And I expect all of those votes to be a resounding yes. Uh, you're going to see other like Optimism native infrastructure to also want to go over to base. There's going to be a huge land grab for DeFi apps to be on base. Mm. Uh, so I think that is what we're about to see. So how, how did this project even get started? Uh, and so both Coinbase and Optimism were both working on EIP 4844 Proto Dank Sharding. Also Proto Lambda, which Proto Dank Sharding is named after, uh, is on the Optimism team. And then there's a few other developers on the Coinbase side of things. They were all working towards 4844. So they were all in the same room together. And that's when the conversation started about like, hey, Coinbase, we there's this thing called the OP stack. If you guys just wanted to, I don't know, perhaps fork the OP stack and make your own OP chain, uh, you could easily do that. And that uh, piqued the interest of Coinbase. And when we interviewed Jesse, uh, Bankless, we, we have an interview with Jesse for more details. He said that Coinbase had been interested in starting their own chain twice before. They looked at doing this endeavor twice before. They already had the base name for years now, apparently. Uh, but it was the OP stack technology and their partnership with Optimism, their collaboration with Optimism that really unlocked the door. Uh, and so really that's the news. There's so many more things to talk about. Some percentage, some unknown percentage of all base transaction fees are going to the OP collective. We don't know that this percentage, but some percentage of transaction fees are being routed towards adding uh, to the OP collective treasury. To support public goods. To, su on, to uh, support, to well, well that's actually up to twos. optimism governance. Right. Uh, that is what optimism governance tends to do is to support public goods, but that will be for OP governance. Uh, how will you pay for gas on base? You will pay for that get for gas with ether. Uh, Coinbase is going to be the only sequencer, the one of one sequencer of the base chain. But Jesse in our interview did say that the long-term vision of base was to be a fully permissionless network, not just from a builder perspective, but also from a validator perspective. So they have the same aspirations as Optimism and Arbitrum to eventually become a fully permissionless chain with a fully permissionless validator set. Now, Ryan, we explicitly asked Jesse, is there gonna be a base token? And he said, no. And then I specifically asked Jesse, well, is BASE going to be a permissionless validator set in the future? And he said, yes. And Sequences, those Ryans right? are conflicting statements. <laughs> so <laughs> well, one of these things has to give. I, is that true? Could, could you so. not, could you, not you use do a permissionless validator set without a token? Well, all, all, don't, don't, isn't the only thing that you need is some sort of kind of collateral to stake. So couldn't you, could, could you use ETH uh, as part of your sequencer mm. set? Rather I guess than that's true. a native token. I guess that's true. Or something like Eigenlayer, maybe, right? Where, like, I, yeah. I wonder. I think I the design space yeah, is, is broader than point. just um, L2s that are spinning up tokens. But anyway, we look, see. you did all of the details. So I, I, I bet that <laughs> answered like a hundred questions for the Bankless Nation. I, I want to zoom out and, and talk about this from a high level perspective because I think that this is a, a really big deal for crypto. I think this is like, top five things that have ever happened since I joined crypto, David. Um, it's definitely behind the merge. It's behind a few other things, but like this is top five. And I think people are probably asking why, like why are Ryan and David talking about this so much? Uh, why do they think it's such a big deal? So another, you know, an exchange launches a chain, like who cares? It's not, it's about how they launched the chain. All right, that's the big difference. When we had Brian Armstrong on the podcast in October of 2021, we asked him the question, when Coinbase chain, when's that going to happen? He said, when the technology is ready, we'll do it. When we feel like we can launch in a way where 
we can maximize um, maximize decentralization. And when the technology is available to do that, then we'll launch a chain. They're launching a chain now. The technology is here, David. And the way that they're doing this is different than the way, say, Binance launched their chain, right? Binance controls uh, the validator set. Binance, if it has you know two thirds majority, it could do all sorts of nefarious activity on chain. Coinbase launched with a layer two. They are a sequencer on the layer two, but they cannot steal funds mm -hmm. on chain. They have limited powers. Why? Because this entire chain settles to Ethereum. So this is a maximally decentralized way to actually launch this chain. And uh, it's the maximally bankless way to launch right. this chain as well. So it's aligned with those values. The other thing I'll say is Coinbase has like 110 million verified users, okay? A tiny, tiny fraction of this, maybe like 1%, maybe 1% to 2% are actually um, going full bankless and going on chain after they create like a Coinbase account. Why is this? It's because the tools are really hard today, David. Mm -hmm. It's like, um, we talk about this, every, like the user experience isn't there. It's, it's, it's um, difficult to get into crypto. Coinbase is going to onboard a vast majority of their verified users. And let's say they, they onboard, you know, maybe 20%, right? It's 20 million, mm -hmm. 20 million new people. We, we will have like 10 X the amount of people uh, on chain using crypto. And of course, this was not possible a couple of years ago. Uh, transaction fees were so, were too high. But now that you have a, a layer two, now that you have EIP um, uh, four, four, eight, four, four, transaction fees can be fractions of a penny. So the technology's here and it's ready. And I think that they are going to set a, a cookie cutter for other publicly traded companies to start going down this path to other, other crypto exchanges, other crypto banks, we start to get rid of the the overhang of why do you have to use a um, centralized lending provider like a Celsius or a BlockFi when you can have an easy onboarding experience into a layer two with completely open source auditable uh, code on the back end. Anyway, so many reasons this is so exciting, but but that is the big picture of, of why this is a big deal. It's the way that they are launching this chain. I mean, using ETH. As the money, rather than doing like a, a pump and dump token, mm -hmm. uh, it's it's just a, a really fantastic way to uh, to approach this, and exactly what we've predicted uh, that um, exchanges would do over the long run. Yeah, so we put we have so much more information. Uh, we have a YouTube video, an interview with Jesse Pollock. I put it in a Twitter thread. Uh, we have a newsletter release on the uh, on the Bankless newsletter, which goes through some of the the implications of this. Uh, just some of the stats that are in the uh, tweet thread, 110 million users on Coinbase with $80 billion in assets. So some reaction to this like, oh, a brand new optimistic rollup alongside Arbitrum, Optimism and Polygon and base is it in, in testnet. Like, how is it going to fill up its chain? How is it going to compete with all these fully developed layer twos? Um, Arbitrum only has half a million unique addresses on it. Coinbase has 110 unique verified users. 110 so, million. 110 million, yes. <laughs> and so like 1% of Coinbase's users, if they can get them onto the base chain, is already more than double the most used layer two on Ethereum today. Uh, and so don't like, coin, like we have all the apps on layer twos. Coinbase has all the users and all the money. And so this is going to, we asked Jesse the question, like how will Coinbase present base to their users? This is going to be the like 
Coinbase approved layer two. And so, so many people come into this industry through Coinbase and Coinbase is going to be like, oh, uh, would you like to withdraw your assets from this centralized crypto bank that we are? Feel free to deposit it onto base, a layer two on Ethereum. And so like this is aligned with the crypto idea. And so the tweet that I wrote in the tweet thread, I say base makes Coinbase bankless because Coinbase can encourage its users to withdraw from Coinbase and deposit onto base while still being inside of the Coinbase ecosystem. So it's adding in a layer two into the product offering from Coinbase. It's proof of reserves. Yeah, it's, it's automatically proof of reserves on the whole entire chain. So with base, it's still a Coinbase product, but users are self-sovereign and self-custodied. So it is the coin is the bankless version of Coinbase, which is just so awesome. Um, there's yeah, gonna there's, be there's gonna be haters, David, that say, uh, but it, this is all AML KYC. That you know, this is it's not. Uh, I, it's a permissionless network. It's not now, but like every every account that withdraws, of course, is AML KYC by Coinbase because they have to be. Um, I care a lot less about that right now than I do about this massive amount of users that are being exp- like that are being onboarded into self sovereign technologies. Yeah. All right, like. If this is still, um, yeah, I, I, in fact, I don't even know how you get around that problem at this right. stage and, and right. still use a, a centralized exchange in some nation state. Right. Um, but I still think this is like, this is going to onboard millions, tens mm-hmm. of millions of people into the bankless money system that we all love. And I do think it's, it's just, there's also some symbolism here in that like, there's so much crazy crap that went down in 2022 with centralized entities stealing the funds, right? This is the answer to 2022, okay? We'll use decentralized technology where you can audit the code completely, where we can't steal your funds, has proof of reserves right out of the box, uh, and DeFi will facilitate this. Um, I I do kind of wonder, do you think this will eat up uh, the Coinbase exchange business model a little bit? Uh, not zero, but I think the net value add, I think, is significant. And Coinbase is always looking for um, new products that are providing revenue beyond um, exchange activity because they need to diversify their income because like 90 plus percent of their uh, like quarterly revenue is always exchange activity. So that's why staking, Ethereum staking is so valuable to them because it's, it's a diversified revenue source that puts less risk on exchange activity. And this opens up so much surface area for on-chain products. This is one of the things that Jesse was really hammering in our interview. Base is where their Coinbase is going to put all of its on-chain products. Uh, and so they have their own little domiciled network to have play favorites. They get to play favorites because it's their own network and they're going to put all their products there. Uh, and so this is just opening up a massive new world of, of opportunity for, for Coinbase. Uh, I wanted to, to take this conversation into why optimism. Uh, and so, like I said, Jesse and the optimism team uh, started collaborating on EIP 4844. And that's, I'm assuming, where uh, OP stack conversations uh, happened. Um, so the OP stack is the scaffolding for optimism chains. Uh, so optimism's bedrock upgrade is built with the OP stack. Base is built with the OP stack. The OP stack is this like open standard, the scaffolding for, you know, build your own layer two, build a layer two workshop. Uh, and so when all and m- when more and more layer two chains are built using the OP stack standard, because they're all standardized, there is more synergies between interoperability, composability, just fluidity between these different chains. So as more and more OP stack chains come into existence, the 
boundaries between all of these chains can start to blur. Uh, so Coinbase is making a bet on this super chain vision. The optimism team calls this the super chain vision. So Coinbase seems to be in on this vision that the more and more chains that build on the OP stack, the boundaries between these things blur. And this is part of the ethos as to like why layer twos in the first place. Like why build a layer two chain instead of your own customized blockchain like BNB chain or your own app chain? It's because it apparently is Jesse's and, and Coinbase's philosophy that building a layer two is building a bridge, not an island. That's a line from Jesse in our interview. The Coinbase wants to build bridges, not islands. And so the layer two, building a layer two network on Ethereum allows base to be connected to all the other layer twos on Ethereum and all the assets on the layer one and all of the users. And so they are bridged right into Ethereum's ecosystem. But in addition to that, the OP stack also provides that same uh, interoperability with the optimism super chain that is slowly being built. And so not only is it building bridges into Ethereum and all of its layer twos, but it's building more direct bridges into optimism and all of its other future chains that are totally going to come because the OP stack code base is the most forked layer two code base that exists. Yeah. I guess like optimism basically wants all the forks. So they develop some sort of yes. network advantage for exactly. super chains. All I, the forks. I am hopeful that super chains can talk to other super chains in the future. I know we've sort of like hinted around this. Slowly like, they will. I want Slowly the ZK sync yeah. to be able to talk to the optimism, to be able to talk to the arbitrum and all, mm -hmm. all of that. You know, one other um, a side product of this too, we mentioned that Coinbase is not launching a token. And mm -hmm. the cool thing about a layer two is because you don't have to. Right. That's what's cool about it, right? If you're launching your own layer one side chain, you have to have a token you have because a token. you yeah. have to inflate that token to pay for security budget. Mm -hmm. A layer two already comes with its own security intact. It's a less yeah. expensive, it's a cheaper way for a Coinbase to do this. And part of our conversation with Jesse was like, hey, the reason we couldn't do this two years ago is because it was infeasible, like the tools weren't there. Um, but then when we tried to get support for this project internally at, uh, at Coinbase, like um, in you know 2022 with OP stack, the code is ready. It's like, right. here's a chain out of a box, just fork it. And mm -hmm. by the way, it comes with its own economic security. You don't even have to launch a token. The tools are getting easier. This is like the WordPress. This is why we're mm -hmm. going to see an explosion of chains too. Anyway, we could say more and we probably will throughout we this will. episode. Yes. But but that is the news for you. I just, one thing though, I'm already seeing uh, some apps start to there, announce there's that a, There's a, a land grab. Okay. Apps are trying to grab as much real estate on base chain as possible. This is so Euler this Finance, is a, right? Is it Euler, yeah. Uh, so Euler saying Euler can become the main trading venue for CBE. I think it kind of already is. Uh, first off, what is Euler? It's like Compound or Aave, but with a few extra uh, governance-free mechanisms. Uh, and so they are already planning their migration onto base. Uh, and so the and land not grab a has migration started. from another chain, but more a, a um, additional support, right? A deployment, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, so this is Jesse. Jesse uh, tweets out, uh, today I, become, I, I join 100 plus contributors from Coinbase to launch Build on Base. Um, base is the builders uh, chain for Coinbase, the builders of the world. Uh, and, and he is also, Coinbase, as a result of, of this uh, announcement, also becomes the second uh, protocol dev development team of the OP stack. So now it's OP Labs and Coinbase, which are collectively building the OP stack. So that's pretty cool. Just congratulations, Jesse. Also, just shout out to Jesse, who not only pioneered this effort, but also pioneered the KZG ceremony being prompted to all Coinbase users. Just like the alignment that Jesse is creating between Coinbase and the Ethereum decentralized ecosystem is so strong. So just like, well done, Jesse. 
Well done, Jesse. That's uh, really cool. Um, and so if you have, if you want to learn more, we interviewed Jesse. That interview is available already on the YouTube. I'm sure some of you have already watched it. We are also live streaming with the Optimism team at 10 a.m. Eastern time this morning, Friday morning, the 24th. Uh, and so we're going to get the optimism perspective on this as well. No shortage of content, guys, from Bankless. No I should mention, uh, in the interest of disclosures, both David and I are... Yes. Um, uh, advisors for Optimism support that project. Think it's wonderful. Also, uh, early investors in Euler Finance as well. Yes, uh, full disclosure: you can always find that at Bankless.com/slash/disclosures. Um, I don't own any coin, though, like the actual stock. Do you? I don't. Okay. Own, I don't own Boomer assets. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, that's it, man. Let's talk about the SEC, shall we? Oh, here we go. We, we, we tried to. to hold off the SEC as long as possible. <laughs> okay, here it All is. Right, so breaking news. SEC sues Terraform Labs and Doquan. Terraform Labs, of course, the uh, protocol team behind Terra. Why so long? Like, it's like Terra cr collapsed almost a year ago. Why so long? Ryan, is it perhaps the political environment is more conducive for the SEC to get away with more things now that uh, FTX has collapsed? Is that possibly why? I don't know. I don't know. That's pretty cynical, David. That's pretty cynical. Uh, SEC files a lawsuit against Terraform Labs and Doquan for allegedly orchestrating a multi-billion dollar crypto asset securities fraud by repeating false and misleading statements to build trust before causing devastating loss for investors. Good so far though, right? That's well, what they should yeah, be doing. He's a scammer. Go after the scammer. Yep, yep, yep. Okay, yep. good job, okay. SEC, right? Yes, Gary Gensler says that Terraform Labs failed to provide the public with full, fair, and truthful disclosure as required for a host of crypto asset securities. Uh, Gensler com commended the SEC staff on their investigation, adding the defendants attempted to prevent us from obtaining important information about their business. Uh, this case demonstrates to the lengths to which some crypto firms will avoid complying with securities laws. Okay, so trying to paint all of crypto as just as bad as Doquan. I'll throw a flag on that. But this is the what we get into when we're a bunch of DGENs who ape into algorithmic stablecoins. Also worth noting that Doquan was actually served by the SEC at Missouri Mainnet in New York in 2021. So this story has actually been going on for a while. Okay. What does all of this mean? So here's a Coindesk article that says four huge revelations in the SEC's charges against Terraform Labs. Uh, SEC findings describes the entire Terra system as a fraud similar to Sam Bankman-Fried's FTX. So I'm going to read out all four points and we'll go into uh, each of them here. Number one, Terra USD's stability was a complete and conscious fabrication. Conscious, Number, intentional, yes, that means. Intentional, yes. Two, Doquan and his allies were cashing out big time the whole entire time. Shady. Th three, the Chai deal was even faker than we thought. I don't know what the Chai deal is. Chai payments platform, e-commerce system in South Korea. That's right. It mm. was It was sort of the... Um, the pump around this. See, retail's really using this. We have adoption. We have real-world adoption in South Korea. That's what Chai was. Mm, okay. And then fourth, it turns out U.S. regulation does matter, uh, is, again, the, the headline from this article. Uh, Quan and his team are accused of committing crimes in the United States that affected several U.S. victims. Yes, I'm, I'm sure. Are you ready to take these one by one, Ryan? Yeah, sure. So what's number one? Uh, the stability was a complete uh, farce, apparently. Mm -hmm. It was never mm -hmm. stable. Yeah, so Terraform and Quan secretly arranged for a third party to purchase massive amounts of UST to restore the $1 peg when Terra USD experienced a small depegging from $1 from its $1 target price. 
When was this? Was this when Terra started to wobble in 2022? No, this was a year ahead of that in May of 2021. So uh, this the narrative of UST being rock solid was a complete fabrication because the Terra UST price was wobbling in as early as May of 2021. So that the sucks. SEC compares this fake to the fake laboratory tests that led to Elizabeth Holmes' decade press. I can't disagree sentence. with that, David. Yep. I mean, they, they were advertising a product that was stable and they knew that it absolutely wasn't. They were just propping it up. By the way, who is that third party that purchased the massive amounts of UST to restore the peg when Terra was in trouble? Who was that? Who did that, Ryan? Oh, it's a four-letter word, I think. Starts with a J. Is that, am I right about that? Jump. Jump. <laughs> <laughs> Jump capital. We'll get to them. Yeah. God damn. Okay. Uh, so Quan and his allies are cashing out big time. Uh, a variety of tentative attempts to trace funds flowing out of Terraform Labs after the collapse met, uh, found that Quan cashed out hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of Bitcoin while he's in Serbia, and that was after Terra collapsed. Um, the SEC claims that Quan and his accomplice had transferred over 10,000 Bitcoins from Terraform and the Luna Guard Foundation and converted over $100 million of that Bitcoin into fiat withdrawals through a Swiss bank in June of 2022. Do you Again, remember the Luna the Guard Foundation? This was the right. non-on-chain, like a group of actors, like just trust us with the money. We're going to purchase this Bitcoin with uh, Luna, and then we're going to use that to prop up the price of USD. Remember when we suggested that why that does your idea. why does your algorithmic stablecoin, which is apparently perfectly stable, need an external agency to help maintain the peg? Off chain with Off -chain. just a, a few set of um, key signers that we have to trust, and apparently yeah. um, they were taking that. Weird. Huh? Huh? Who could have seen huh. that? What else we wow. got? Ugh. Anyways. Um, Okay, so Chai deal even faker than we thought. Uh, SEC describes that not only did Doquan exaggerate the Chai terror relationship in his own statements, he created an entire fake server to move fake money around to stimulate fake transactions God. with the clear goal of de Sucks. deceiving investors. Wow. <laughs> Wow. Look, I, I th I'm grateful for the SEC for doing this part of it. Dude, it's you can't it's even great. It, man. No, it's like this is the public didn't know this. Um, we need to know mm -hmm. this. Um, mm -hmm. Good job. I mean, we want the SEC to help us prosecute the scammers uh last but not least uh, evidence suggests that kwan used his twitter account to promote terra usd to americans and insult critics who warned of flags that led to the currency's collapse insult wow critics. i i that I, I was personally insulted i was there did you were you insulted <laughs> i mentioned in that sentence are you are you named in this whole uh you know court document here <laughs> I, they insulted david insult critics who warned of flaws <laughs> yes. yeah that was us <laughs> all right oh, damn Okay, um, moving on. Who got rich? Question you know, mark. We, we found out who got rich. Apparently, according to these documents, Jump Capital. Jump Capital. Say the name. Jump Capital. It's actually Jump Crypto, which I think is a, a subsidiary of Jump. They made okay. $1.2 billion from Terra. $1.2 billion. Mm -hmm. Retail got destroyed, David. Mm -hmm. These they guys, were also the ones responsible for helping maintain the peg after it was known that the peg was unstable. I'm just so tired of the sharks and the mercenaries in this space. Like they should be called out, guys. Mm. This is not okay. This yeah. is. Do you remember? Like this was kind of like peak finance bro culture in crypto that I absolutely hated, which right. was just like, yeah, let's just make tons of money. It was just like Wall Street infecting us. Right. Uh, right. Look, we have nothing against making money. Right? right like we're all crypto investors we we just think you can do that by betting on things early right and waiting and until something patient. is built that's useful and then 
receiving the upside after the useful thing is built. Kind of the traders, the mercenaries Crazy. coming in here don't care about that. They made money. They're not even they're they're named in this report. No charges against them. They mm. didn't do anything illegal, David. Right. Technically. Yeah. One point two billion dollars. I ask you, does that feel fair? Retail gets completely destroyed by this, and uh, they made they made out fine. Jump capital. Instead of them to do it again, David. Give it back. Anyway, it's uh, so there are a bunch. Uh, this is a tweet from Cyrus, who's like one of the most savage people on Twitter, and he's always right, in my opinion. Uh, <laughs> jump jump trading propped up Terra after it almost broke early on. Instead of letting it die in the early stages, they covered it up, letting the bubble grow significantly larger than it needed to get, exacerbating the pain for the entire crypto community. Uh, and this he's retweeting Fat Man Terra, who's a Twitter account that focuses on the Terra news. Uh, and Fat Man Terra says, the SEC filing also indirectly confirms the fact that Jump secretly bailed out the USC project without disclosing to retail, leading to the scheme, the scheme ballooning even further and destroying many people's lives in the first place. <sighs> okay, so this is only half the story. Because the other half of the story is the implications of this lawsuit against Terra because there are precedents being set. And so this SEC case against Doquan and Terraform Labs says that UST, the stablecoin UST, is a security because it is redeemable for Luna, which is a security. So I think implying that like the stablecoin itself wouldn't have been a security, but it had this enshrined formal relationship with Terra or with Luna the equity asset of the Terraform ecosystem uh, or the, the chain. And so because UST was natively convertible to Luna, the SEC and the SEC determined Luna to be a security, then UST therefore becomes a security because of this enshrined former relationship. And in not With, just UST, all potentially algo stable coins in the future. Not uh, just that, Ryan, all wrapped assets. And so what Mike Selig <laughs> says is that this precedent, if set, means that any wrapper can make an asset into a security. Are you talking so, about like wrapped ETH? Ra well, not necessarily not wrapped ETH because or of staked, how staked ETH, staked uh, ETH. Yeah, so uh, A ETH, ETH in Aave, Aave, C ETH in Compound, S ETH, ETH derivative Lido. tokens. Anything with a wrapper that has some sort of like you know money Lego component to it could potentially become. See, a this is the here. thing that is so pernicious and so insidious. Is you know, uh, thank you SEC for for mm -hmm. helping investigate and take down a scammer. But Which you're using this and exactly what they should have been Gensler doing. Gensler is using this as a mm -hmm. land grab opportunity to get more control over a crypto, and he's setting a precedent. Right. It's it's mm -hmm. evil genius. Uh, I tweeted this. Gensler's next strategy is to go after Doquan and UST because he knows no one will defend them. How can we defend them? How can we defend it? We didn't we didn't defend them at the time. And if he wins, he'll establish broad precedent for more control over crypto. It's evil genius. Uh, I don't. Thanks, Doe. I I don't see a friend here. Uh, yeah. Doquan and a bunch Do. of others screwed this up. By the way, you know what we should do is go back and listen to that uh, Luna Terra debate that we had in, was this April of, April of, of 2022, 2022 yeah. before mm -hmm. the thing blew up? Like two weeks or three weeks before it we blew up? We said yeah. this would happen. We yeah. said in the exit, like there was a bull bear case. Uh, we were quite right. clearly on the bear case. And we said, hey, we're just worried if this whole thing blows up, the regulatory backlash on us will be severe and significant. And Doquan and the lunatics and the terribles won't have to pay that cost, but right. we will because we believe in this technology and we're, we're settlers. Still be here, yeah. And that's mm -hmm. exactly what's happening. And it's so frustrating to see. Right. I got, it's just yeah. so frustrating to see.
Doquan's got $100 million and he's hiding in Serbia somewhere and now we have to clean up his mess. Sick. All right. Well, awesome. look, a little bit of good, a little bit of bad. Um, I'm choosing to remain super optimistic this week because uh, we've got a lot more to talk about, David. What's coming up next? Uh, update on the Ethereum withdrawals. Got some good news on there. Spotify is going to get some tokens inside of it. Our NBA Top Shot NFTs securities. Uh, so much more to talk about. We've got some Flashbots update as well. Uh, so, uh, we're going to get to all of this news and more, but first I'm going to talk about some of these fantastic sponsors that make the show possible. Uniswap is the largest on-chain marketplace for self-custody digital assets. Uniswap is, of course, a decentralized exchange, but you know this because you've been listening to Bankless. But did you know that the Uniswap web app has a shiny new fiat on-ramp? Now you could go directly from fiat in your bank to tokens in DeFi inside of Uniswap. Not only that, but Polygon, Arbitrum, and Optimism Layer 2s are supported right out of the gate. But that's just DeFi. Uniswap is also an NFT aggregator, letting you find more listings for the best prices across the NFT world. With Uniswap, you can sweep floors on multiple NFTs, and Uniswap's universal router will optimize your gas fees for you. Uniswap is making it as easy as possible to go from bank account to bankless assets across Ethereum. And we couldn't be more thankful for having them as a sponsor. So go to app.uniswap.org today to buy, sell, or swap tokens and NFTs. Arbitrum One is pioneering the world of secure Ethereum scalability and is continuing to accelerate the Web3 landscape. Hundreds of projects have already deployed on Arbitrum One, producing flourishing DeFi and NFT ecosystems. With the recent addition of Arbitrum Nova, gaming and social dApps like Reddit are also now calling Arbitrum home. Both Arbitrum One and Nova leverage the security and decentralization of Ethereum and provide a builder experience that's intuitive, familiar, and fully EVM compatible. On Arbitrum, both builders and users will experience faster transaction speeds with significantly lower gas fees. With Arbitrum's recent migration to Arbitrum Nitro, it's also now 10 times faster than before. Visit Arbitrum.io where you can join the community, dive into the developer docs, bridge your assets, and start building your first dApp. With Arbitrum, experience Web3 development the way it was meant to be. Secure, fast, cheap, and friction-free. David, is Spotify rolling out token support? I don't know, but that's what this screenshot looks like. What are we looking that's at what, here? That's what it looks like. Yeah. So here is a screenshot. It says, welcome to Spotify's token enabled pilot. We're happy you're here. Um, so what we are looking at is uh, a sign in with a wallet, MetaMask, Rainbow Wallet, Ledger, Zerion inside of a uh, Spotify mobile experience. Wow. And then once you connect your wallet, you get to connect your, uh, you, and then it, apparently it changes the behavior of Spotify and unlocks certain experiences. Uh, so this is, this is um, available for Android users in the US, UK, uh, Denmark, Australia, and New Zealand, I think. Yes. Good job. Uh, cool. Thank you. Um, <laughs> uh, and so token gated access to music content so in cool. Spotify. That's awesome. It's so That's cool. Awesome. Podcast That's NFTs, music mm -hmm. NFTs, token gated content. Mm -hmm. This is a huge boom for creators. I, I wonder a few things. Like, first of all, implications of this is like, uh, does Gary Gensler want to control music NFTs too and all of the tokens on Spotify that unlock it? Like, does he really uh, want? He probably does. He probably <laughs> Should does. We give I mean, him what that are power? you asking? Ryan? Come of on, it's he wants so that. stupid. <laughs> the, the other thing I would say is uh, the experience is for Android users only, not Apple. And I, I almost well, wonder. A pilot. It's a pilot. It's a pilot, but I almost wonder if Apple is go. It's it's maybe it's not going to be available for Apple. You know, Apple wants wow. to tax. They want to do their thirty percent right. tax on all NFT transactions. But uh, yeah, I don't think there's. 
I mean, I don't know anything about this, but I can't imagine that there's like actual trades or transactions going through. You're just loading up token gated access. That's just so the start though. Yeah. Like there's going to be a button in Spotify of like, yeah, I want to download that, like buy this Drake NFT. I'd like to get Why are they not? This. Yeah. Of course yeah, they would. Point. And, and, and Apple wants to take a chart. I just think that these sort of stupid like gatekeeping just cannot stand yeah. because a competitor will just be like, fine, if you want to charge, we'll just support Android. And then maybe I'll get rid of my iPhone because I want to do NFTs. And then Apple will have to submit and bend the knee. This is, it's, it's a competitive dynamic. And yeah. you know the, the gatekeeping is just not sustainable with uh, Web3. That's just not what we do here. We, we can't <laughs> I mean, charge rent think- on all this stuff. <laughs> I 100% agree with you. I just find it kind of funny and ironic that you're saying gatekeeping will not stand. I want token gated access in my apps. Creator <laughs> gatekeeping is totally fine. <laughs> this is power to the creators. It's uh, decentralized. It's distributed. So mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. cool. Nice job, Spotify and whoever is leading that. Really, really good work there. But we got here. Uh, okay, uh, withdrawals. The Sepolia Chapella scheduled for February 28th. Say that three times fast. What is Chapella? Chapella is a combination of Shanghai and Capella, because we just love our words in the Ethereum ecosystem. Uh, it is the upgrade for withdrawals for the Sepolia testnet, and that will happen on February 28th. Uh, so that's pretty cool. Uh, granted that this, I can't imagine that this upgrade is all that complex. We're really just enabling withdrawals, um, but we have a test set for that. Obviously. This is March. Is, do you think March. it's going to go, we're no, going to go February. live in March? February know, 28th. Is, but do you think we're going to get uh, the next Ethereum upgrade in March then? Sort of late what this March, means? early April. Sounds about right. That yeah. sounds right. That's bullish. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Flashbots announces MEV Share, a programmably private order flow that empowers users, redistributes MEV, and takes a step towards decentralized block building. Okay, so so what is this? MEV Flashbots, of course, uh, we know Flashbots. Uh, they are the people that help uh, actually reduce some of the gas fees on Ethereum by creating a private off-chain marketplace for block building and block proposing. Now they are doing the same thing for uh, users and putting their transactions into blocks that allow for users to uh, recapture some of the MEV that they might be creating. Uh, and so what? how does this work? Uh, users can choose exactly what transaction data of their transactions to hide and then also reveal through programmable privacy. So searchers uh, this, if you are familiar with this whole, like, uh, how a block gets built, searchers build in a competitive order flow auction for the right to execute against users, private transactions, selectively revealing transaction data can help searchers, uh, better optimize their bids, which means higher payments back to the user. So because users can keep their transactions private, users can bargain for the MEV that they create without permissioning search or competition. Basically, uh, your transaction on Ethereum through this thing called MEV share will create some sort of MEV by keeping your transaction data private. You can actually force uh, searchers to pay you for the MEV that you create. Uh, and so this is a way to get back some of the value that you put into the Ethereum ecosystem. You know, this whole time you were talking, I was just admiring these heart messages. Who's the graphic <laughs> designer that came up with this? Okay. <laughs> the day after right. Valentine's day and we got these hearts, MEV, you matchmaker, yeah. Zero X eighty one, babe. Relay on me. <laughs> I wish amazing. these were real. I would buy these. I would buy these for sure. Da- David, some uh, layoffs that mm-hmm. uh, came down the pipe this week. Polygon Labs cut staff by twenty percent. So a twenty percent cut for Polygon Labs. Also, Immutable has reportedly laid off eleven percent of its staff. 
what's your take on some of these layoffs? It's, you know, we, we saw uh, a whole bunch toward the end of last year, um, some more early this year. Do you have a high level take on this? Yeah, laying off people when the markets uh, go turned down, it's just a symptom of just like when you've optimized for growth. Uh, and so when the markets turn away, uh, turn against you, you have to uh, trim and cut back. This is just the natural process of things. It doesn't mean that like Polygon is doing badly. It doesn't mean Immutable is doing badly. It just means they hired a lot during the bull market and now resources have uh, uh, dried up. And so they have to cut back. Uh, a lot of companies overhired. Uh, and so in order to optimize, they are cutting back. This is just a normal part of the process. David, you're not going to fire me, are you? You're not going to leave me off. <laughs> I think it does take two people to do this podcast, at least you and I. I was not prepared for that question. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan, uh, um, well, can I see you in my office after this? <laughs> I'll, I'll be better, David. Uh, <laughs> NBA Top Shots moments. They might be securities? Do moments of time are now securities? Well, awesome. Yeah. What? What? what else? Everything's a security. This podcast could be a security, a, a, a security mm-hmm. if we tokenize it. Yeah, um, uh, bankless podcasts are. Oh, I don't even want to. Don't say, say that it. Out loud. Don't, don't say, say the words. That will be ideas. used against you, my friend. Uh, but what is this headline, and what does it mean? Uh, yeah, NBA branded Top Shot moments NFTs may be securities. Judge rules in Dapper Labs case. Uh, ultimately, the court's conclusion was that Dapper Labs offered was an investment contract under Howie. The judge wrote. Uh, so uh, we're going to have to follow this story, but um, it turns out where the scope of what a security is, is in expanding itself to Top Shot's moments. Great. So basically, we have even less clarity on what's a security and what's not a security as this is going through the court system. A digital collectible of a moment of time is a security. Okay, so a video game item that drops, if it's an NFT, is that a security? Totally a security. You think so? Yeah, that flaming long sword of fire that does 172 damage. It needs a 10K report. That's that's exactly, yeah. A Uh, filing. Little Bobby shows up, and and little Bobby picks that up off the ground. Gary Gensler shows up at your door and says, (laughs) hey, hey. uh, That's a security. Hey, Bobby, do you know what you just did? Put down that security, Bobby. (laughs) Look, and if you have questions, just uh, go to Gary Gensler's office hours. He's happy to mm. answer any of your questions and then throw you in jail. Um, all right, OpenSea versus Blur. What's going on here, mm-hmm. David? Yeah, so OpenSea, as a result of the Blur dominance in the NFT marketplace, has changed their uh, OpenSea fee to 0%. So OpenSea now charging 0% on trades for a limited time. Uh, they have also moved the optional creator earnings uh, half a percent minimum for all collections without on-chain enforcements. Uh, and then lastly, marketplaces with the same policies will not be blocked by the operator filter. So this is really just the collapse of margins in the NFT marketplace. Uh, when you have a competitor, is this because in response to Blur? Is that what's going on? Yeah, because Blur, Blur volumes are eating OpenSea's lunch, and so they had to drop all their fees in order to stay competitive. Like, didn't Blur exceed OpenSea volumes last uh, yeah. last week? Yeah, yeah, for, for right. like the first time. That's right. Yep, yep. This is a take from uh, Frank DeGods. A harsh reality. NFT marketplaces are trying to maximize market share so they can raise bigger VC rounds, and the best way to get market share is to have the lowest fees for high frequency trading. Godspeed. I don't care about that because the users benefit. Bring my fees down to close to zero. Except Thank you. for artists. This does shoot artists. Uh, the artists are caught in the crossfire because artists really, really like royalties. Does this, uh, so this cuts royalty? 
or is it just open seas? So um, Blur Blur is trying to minimize royalties because they uh, want to minimize maximize the value to trade NFT traders, and so they're routing around creator royalties because that is an extra fee that I, traders I, don't want to pay. I still think that creators will just respond in kind, and they'll just right. like do a thing where I mint one hundred and then I keep a hundred, and then I sell those back. It's a That's way. one option. There's also the option for creators to make a NFT contract that enforces royalties at the contract level. So you have to pay a royalty. Um, that will make it harder to be composable yeah. into other NFT marketplaces, but it is an option. Very cool. I, I like the competitive dynamics, David. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. th- there's that tweet about Blur dominated this month. It's a whole month of January yeah. or it's yeah. a February. Uh, yeah. Accounting for 46% of January's total. That's January. January's total NFT volume outpacing OpenSea. So OpenSea was 40%. Blur was 46%. Uh, Granted, this is the month that Open uh, that Blur dropped their token. So that is going to be a very hot month. Yeah, that probably skews things. David, do we have any Bitcoin news? Maybe? Um, I did look at the Ordinal's data. Ordinal's volume is down. Um, and so it's uh, trending down to the downside. Uh, but it's been a very, very healthy no matter what. So it's definitely not dead. But uh, Ordinal's activity down a little bit. The only other Bitcoin news that we have is this uh, tweet from Patrick Hansen. It's, this is a take. Uh, Patrick is at um, the EU side of Circle. So he uh, believes in stable coins, of course. So that is his bias. He works for USDC, basically. Patrick tweets, in El Salvador, after hundreds of millions of top-down public investments, only 1.6% of remittances are sent via Bitcoin. Meanwhile, Driven by natural bottom-up demand, one-third of Latin American consumers have used stable coins for everyday purchases. The market is loud and clear. Uh, so this is this has been a growing um, sentiment again, like an indictment against uh, Nayib Bukele of El Salvador of just like really forcing Bitcoin on its citizens, using a lot of uh, El Salvadorian capital and money to buy Bitcoin and make Bitcoin investments when... Uh, the critique is that that money could have been used to support, you know, public goods but for El Salvador. Wasn't the remittance use case always dumb for Bitcoin? I mean, I, I never understood this because it yeah. was just basically like um, hold Bitcoin, just hold it. It'll go up in right. value. The The use case of Bitcoin is you hold it while the money printer is printing it. If, if I'm holding my money, like that's the last thing I actually want to spend. I want mm-hmm. to spend my inflating currency. I want to hold my Bitcoin. I mean, the same is true of, of Ether, really. It's mm-hmm. not a good medium of exchange. Right. It's not a good unit of account. It is a, a yeah. fantastic store of value. So wasn't it destined to fail from the beginning? Uh, I would I would say so. Yeah, because like the whole, you, know, you use Bitcoin for remittances. So like, actually, I'm not a believer in the whole blockchain, not Bitcoin thing, but that's what a blockchain is for, David, is for remittances. I could pay my gas fees, my ETH gas fees in USD, I would. USDC. Right. I would just have it like because right. then I don't have to be like ah well you know I paid in ETH and now do I have to now buy I gotta, that back? Gotta do taxes. <laughs> yeah, I gotta do taxes. Thank you. <laughs> exactly. Uh, what's this from Caitlin Long? This was interesting last week. Uh, yeah. So moving on to a, to a new subject. Uh, Caitlin Long uh, tweets out this tweet. It's time for me to review a few uh, reveal a few things. I've just published a post. Shame on Washington D.C. for shooting the messenger. And so Caitlin tweets out, uh, today I'm publicly disclosing for the first time that A, 
I handed over evidence to law enforcement of probable crimes committed by a big crypto fraud that started months before that company exploded and stuck its millions of customers uh, with millions of dollars of losses. Is she talking I'm about FTX? Sure. Uh, she might be talking about FTX there, Ryan. Uh, she doesn't then, name them by name, though. No, it does not. And then B, I also warned bank regulators of a mounting bank run risk inside banks servicing the crypto industry before the bank runs ultimately hit. So Caitlin Long saying, hey, I told regulators and law enforcement about the FTX fraud. And then I warned banking regulators of all the contagion that might happen. What happened as a result of that? Well, her bank, which is a fully custodial, uh, this is a uh, custodia bank, uh, which is like a full, fully backed reserved uh, bank out of Wyoming. Uh, uh, what happened to Custodia? Uh, Custodia's banking license, banking charter, I believe, was denied and now disparaged for daring to even come through the front door. So Caitlin Long founder of this custodia bank who's trying to be a a responsible fully custodied uh custodied uh crypto bank uh reports to law enforcement about ftx talks about all the incoming contagion and then gets the door slammed on her face so she actually went to the regulator's office yes. and, and asked and yes. not only did they not help her they actually didn't listen when she was trying to whistleblow on right. the things on, that she on, saw on going on in the industry yeah so Jesse wow. Powell re uh, retweets this and, and says, uh, Jesse Powell of Kraken says, I can't tell you how infuriating it is to have pointed out massive red flags and obviously illegal activity to regulators only to have them ignore the issues for years. Mm. Quote, they're offshore. It's complicated. We're looking at everybody, end quote, uh, is what Jesse's saying that the regulators are saying for years and then and then to be used as their example. So wow. like, I mean, this is obviously hitting very personally for Jesse because, you know, Kraken just got uh, staking inside of the US shut down by the SEC, uh, even though it's a relatively low risk good product. And Jesse has been doing some of this similar stuff as Caitlin for years now. And then all of, so like, this is what our complaint about Do Kwan, Ryan. It's like all the bad guys come in, they make a bunch of money, they cause a bunch of destruction, they cause a bunch of chaos, and then they go hide in Serbia and all the people who believe in this industry take all of the blame, take all the good, of the The hit. good people like Jesse, right? Yeah. Who, who is actually like uh, whistleblowing, talking about the red flags Two regulators actually showed up to Gary Gensler's office to talk to him. What does he get for that? A $30 million fine. Yep. And sorry, you can no longer have a staking product. Yep. <laughs> Meanwhile, Sam Bankman fried is watching football on his VPN. Is he watching football or playing video games? Uh, so probably was, moving assets around. If you're Sam, watch him. He would if he could. We know no, that's this. that's what that's what the claim is. Is like uh, the court is like, hey, why are you on a VPN? And Sam Bankman-Fried was like, I'm watching football. That guy doesn't <laughs> no watch. No way, really? Yeah, you, you haven't heard this part of the story? No. Yeah, so he got in trouble for using a VPN when he Big shouldn't, football should, fan shouldn't that, be, and he just SPF. said, yeah, I'm, I'm watching football. He's like, dude, you're at home. Turn on the TV. You don't need a VPN for this. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> the grift don't stop oh this is more jesse uh he says this i have a theory regulators let the bad guys get big and blow up because it serves their agenda number one destroy capital resources and crypto Two, burn people deter adoption number three give air cover to attack good actors the bad guys are actually on side good guys are the enemy man it does feel like that sometimes doesn't yep. it david yep doesn't it yep yeah, the, so Gary Gensler is trying to say, like, Jesse of Kraken, that man sold an unregistered security. He's bad. And meanwhile, like, our perspective is, like, Jesse, Caitlin, many others calling out the actual frauds, the actual risks, and that if, like, 
they're our heroes. They're our good guys. But from the outside in, like Gary Gensler and his like office hours campaign is trying to paint, do the same thing that Elizabeth Warren's trying to do, which is paint well, us Jesse's, all as like shadowy super coders. But Jesse's saying, and that's all intentional. It's that's all, intentional. all part of the evil yeah. genius play. Mm -hmm. uh, I hope that's not true, but it, it feels like it is. And yeah. it, that, you know, the evidence is weighing on, and that being the, the possibility here. Mm -hmm. David, um, Collabland launched a token. What is this? What does it mean? Yeah, so people who are familiar in the DAO space or in the Discord space uh, will definitely know Collabland. It's basically very, very important uh, Discord infrastructure. Uh, so Collab is a to governance token and used within the Collabland ecosystem. Uh, so holders will be a part of the Collabland DAO, feature requests, bounties, create the marketplace, uh, token claim will begin on February 23rd, which is today. So that was yesterday, if you're listening to this on Friday. Uh, and so if you are an Earnify subscriber, I'm sure you'll be getting a notif uh, notification of your eligibility for this. So uh, if you're not an Earnify subscriber and you don't know what that is, go to earn.fi and sign up to get notified of airdrops like this one. David, uh, what's going on at Superfluid? Did they... Uh, introduce a new feature here? Yeah, Superfluid Vesting. So what is Superfluid? Superfluid is streaming payments. So micro pennies per block, cents over time, uh, just super fluid payments. So like instead of just... Um, streaming money, baby. Streaming money. Yes, thank you. Uh, and so the Superfluid Vesting is a way to vest using the superfluid contracts over time. So you can now put in vesting contracts using superfluid. So the tokens for a specific, specific protocol or whatever stay in the sender's wallet until the very moment that they are vested in a stream di directly to the recipient's wallet with or without a cliff. So there's no token lockup in a smart contract and these tokens can be put the, the, into- This is the thing DYDX should have done. Yeah. You remember a few weeks yeah. ago, like right. go when we were talking uh -huh. about, uh, they, they made, you know, Pro promises, investors made promises, and right. we could have just done this on a smart contract. That's what right. Superfluid is, is doing. It's enforcing yes. vesting right. at the code layer, which exactly. is like, hey, that's a good use of smart contracts. That's, that's a great use. Uh, and and then also, uh, out of out of uh, Phyland this week, we, we've talked about Phyland before, but they've announced their $2 million seed round. Uh, what is Phyland? It gives you this like little 3D landscape to place little objects, and you can only place the objects if you have done the thing in Web3 that enables you to claim those objects. So for example, you can place a Uniswap object on your land if you've traded on Uniswap. What's if yours look like, David? Uh, da DavidHoffman.eth, brother. It's, uh, uh, how do I find you? Uh, search accounts right oh, there. David? Yeah. DavidHoffman.eth. Hoffman. Yeah. You my little, my little Phyland. Yeah. Yeah. I know. This This was included just so David could brag about his Phyland here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and yes. so if you've traded on Uniswap once, you can get the Uniswap land. But if you've traded on Uniswap like 10 times, then your Uniswap icon like grows bigger. It's like the level it's two super version. Super cool. You have 16,000 uh, experience, experience points yeah, here. Whatever. And so I can use that experience to buy other things in the Phyland ecosystem. Uh, really? Phyland is on uh, Polygon. Look at Sorry. these quests you've achieved, right? Like, look at all my look at all my achievements, man. Yeah. A busy, busy little bee over here. There we go. There, there's my Phyland. Look, I got got a bunch of little trees. I got my open sea ship. Uh, so like you can even board. you can even like I've linked in uh, the YouTube channel, which goes to Banklet. So not only can you do your Web three achievements, you can also put in your Web two identity, and you can link like your Instagram, your YouTube, your Substack. Uh, so this is just a fun, cool little experiment in on-chain identity that I thought was pretty cool. Yeah, social signaling. Uh, you can connect with do, the best wallet ever. The MetaMask. best wallet ever. The best Meta wallet ever, of course. Uh, and thank so you, when MetaMask, you go into for Finland, sponsoring this. Yes, thank you. Uh, and so you can go in and like you will have your land out of the gate. You, I think you do need to have an ENS name. 
So you log in with MetaMask right. into your ENS wallet, and then you can start building out your Phyland. Uh, and then, of course, just as a disclaimer, both Ryan and I are investors in both Superfluid and Phyland. As we no, just I'm not in Superfluid, just you. Oh, you know oh, that's right. You forgot to sign. <laughs> <laughs> That's Moving funny. on, Moving jobs on this that. week. Uh, <laughs> Bankless.palette.com slash jobs. Uniswap Labs is looking for a senior software engineer. Bankless is looking for some writers, some social growth leads, overpriced JPEGs. Needs a producer. Bankless Ooh. needs a growth marketer. Consensus, a director of an engineering. Adidas, global wow. head of Web3 strategy and planning pre PO, senior Web3 front end engineer. I could go on, even though some companies are laying off. Many more are hiring. Crypto just keeps getting bigger. Go look at the job opportunities at bankless.palette.com and check that out. David, what do we have coming up next? Coming up next, we got questions from the nation. Hey, Ryan and David, what do you think Vitalik would be working on if he wasn't working in crypto? Great question. Mm. We'll talk about that, as well as some takes from the week, as well as what are Ryan and I bullish on moving forward. And also one of the best moments of Zen that we've ever had ever. So stay tuned for all of that and more. But first, a moment to talk about some of these fantastic sponsors that make this show possible. The Phantom Wallet is coming to Ethereum. The number one wallet on Solana is bringing its millions of users and beloved UX to Ethereum and Polygon. If you haven't used Phantom before, you've been missing out. Phantom was one of the first wallets to pioneer Solana staking inside the wallet and will be offering similar staking features for Ethereum and Polygon. But that's just staking. Phantom is also the best home for your NFTs. Phantom has a complete set of features to optimize your NFT experience. Pin your favorites, hide your uglies, burn the spam, and also manage your NFT sale listings from inside the wallet. Phantom is of course a multi-chain wallet, but it makes chain management easy, displaying your transactions in a human readable format with automatic warnings for malicious transactions or phishing websites. Phantom has already saved over 20,000 users from getting scammed or hacked. So get on the Phantom waitlist and be one of the first to access the multi-chain beta. There's a link in the show notes, or you can go to phantom.app waitlist to get access in late February. How many total airdrops have you gotten? This last bull market had a ton of them. Did you get them all? Maybe you missed one. So here's what you should do. Go to Earnify and plug in your Ethereum wallet and Earnify will tell you if you have any unclaimed airdrops that you can get. And it also does POAPs and mintable NFTs. Any kind of money that your wallet can claim, Earnify will tell you about it. And you should probably do it now because some airdrops expire. And if you sign up for Earnify, they'll email you anytime one of your wallets has a new airdrop for it to make sure that you never lose an airdrop ever again. You can also upgrade to Earnify Premium to unlock access to airdrops that are beyond the basics and are able to set reminders for more wallets. And for just under $21 a month, it probably pays for itself with just one airdrop. So plug in your wallets at Earnify and see what you get. That's E-A-R-N-I dot F-I. And make sure you never lose another airdrop. Questions from the Bankless Nation Discord. Here we go. Question from Proxy. People always say layer twos do inherit the security of their layer one when compared to sidechains. But what does that actually mean? That's a very relevant question this week, very given relevant, the yeah. base mm -hmm. announcement. So the difference between base as a layer two and base as its own sidechain is what? What does it mean to inherit the security of Ethereum for a chain like base? Yeah, so a layer two has a formal and specific relationship with its layer one in a way that a sidechain does not. And so a layer two makes certain... Uh, cryptographic commitments to a layer one that binds itself to the layer one to follow certain sets of rules. And so it makes it makes promises, commitments, cryptographic commitments to the layer one that it will 
abide by the rules that it sets for itself. And those rules are things like being able to make a transaction on the layer two from the layer one and all the other uh, crypto cryptographic assurances that you need to make a blockchain a blockchain. And so basically it allows people on the layer one to make transactions happen on the layer two. That means that the validator or sequencer of that layer two does not have more power than the layer one has. And so if the sequencer for a layer two on Ethereum goes rogue and they stop processing transactions, they stop propagating blocks, and you are, as a user, left abandoned and cut off from interacting with the layer two, you can use the layer one to go get your money. A sidechain does not have that power, does not have that relationship because a sidechain is just another blockchain that posts data to a bigger chain, a layer one chain, but doesn't make any formal cryptographic commitments to that. How was that explanation? Does that does that check out for you? Yeah, that checks out. You know, one, one kind of analogy I use in, in my mind is I think of like these chains as like, imagine these big cities in the cloud. Okay, mm -hmm. so Ethereum is like the biggest city of all in the cloud. So it's a city in a cloud, all right? Side chains do not have a bridge back to Ethereum that is like everlasting and eternal and that can't be broken, okay? Mm -hmm. They're their own independent cities. So if the side chain goes down and like someone takes all your funds, something bad happens, there's no way to exit back to the big cloud city of Ethereum. Mm -hmm. With a layer two like Arbitrum or Optimism or now Base, there is an everlasting cannot be broken, no other dependencies bridge back mm -hmm. to Ethereum. So if bad things happen in the uh, cloud city of base or the cloud city of optimism, users can always run back over that bridge back to Ethereum. And right. I'm saying users, but I mean like the assets. There's mm -hmm. always an escape patch. Yeah. That is one big difference from a user perspective. And yeah, the uh, escape hatch, I think, I think analogy it. is really right. It's it's the escape hatch exists and the power who has power over that escape hatch is the layer one to Ethereum. Yep. So what is really the difference between a layer two and a sidechain is that a layer two gives up certain authorities to a power that is uh, stronger than itself, which is the Ethereum layer one. And so that's how users always have assurances that they can be bankless if they need to be, even in the event of a rogue layer two operator. Yep, absolutely. And layer two is really the only configuration that kind of, um, you know, takes takes this form, right? right. So it's it's much different than a sidechain from that perspective. All right. Well, it, it gives a layer two its name, as in like without, yeah. without creating that relationship, it's not a layer two because a layer two implies that you can't, you can't jettison the layer one. The formal cryptographic relationship is what makes something a layer two exactly. because it's, a, it gives itself, it gives power to the layer one. It's corruption resistance too. Yeah. It's like, so mm -hmm. if the, if the city in the cloud gets corrupt and if you're on a layer two, you're fine because you can yep. always go back to uh, Ethereum. Another, that was a great question, Proxy. A uh, question from uh, Paolo. Proy, Proy actually is the name that Proy? we've written it down on. Proy, oh, okay. P-R-O-Y, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, sorry, Proy. Um, hey, Ryan and David. What do you think Vitalik would be working on now if he weren't in crypto? What about both of you? Um, that is, uh, Palu asked that question. David, what do you think Vitalik would be working on? Have we ever asked him that? If he wasn't in crypto, what would you be working on, Vitalik? I don't know if we have. Yeah. I mean, we'll take a whatever podcast with Vitalik that we can get. So maybe we'll offer this prompt to him. <laughs> Vitalik does a lot of things outside of crypto. Um, Let's just I, do I, a Vitalik podcast 
But we can't talk about crypto the entire but time. But no crypto, yeah. How you cool to, would that be? <laughs> uh, so Vitalik does a lot of things outside of crypto. A lot of people don't don't realize this. Uh, he's uh, very interested in longevity. He's very interested in AI, and he's very interested in charity and charitable giving and impact, basically. So it would probably be something, maybe all three of those things. Um, and so he's uh, we're, he's he's very tapped into the longevity world. So maybe he would be fit, like helping promote research in longevity science. What, um, what what about the public policy type stuff? You know, mm. quadratic voting and that yeah. kind of thing. He's like very interested in sort of the the underlying protocols and me- mechanics that, that govern um, society. Yeah. That govern mm-hmm. society and and I think help us coordinate. I mean, Ethereum is one gigantic coordination technology unlock. Right. that you're creating in the protocol layer. But he's done other things, like quadratic voting could be applied to uh, nation states or, yeah. you know. Yeah. Uh, I think the, the uh, Denver, city of Denver, is is experimenting with quadratic funding uh, for its own public goods. Yeah, uh, it'd be very interesting. How about you? If you were in crypto, <laughs> what would you be doing? Uh, I think, uh, let's see, how many years have I been in crypto? I would have graduated from PT school I would have a lot of debt and I would be working as a physical therapist would probably be my answer. Really? Is that what, but like, that I think that's the path that I was on prior to crypto. That's the, yeah. the path you were on. But, but let's say may, maybe another phrasing of this question is um, if uh, you had to do something right now that wasn't crypto, what oh, would I you see. be doing? And it's probably, uh, is it physical therapy? Is that your you know passion? That, your okay. Love? So that would have been, the, that's the path that I jettisoned in 2017. Uh, Probably okay. So if if crypto deleted, but I had all my same skill sets, yeah, it would probably be like content production and writing. A food podcast. Figure, we know. I, this. I would feel, yeah, just like yeah, I'd be a podcaster in a different field, I guess. What field? Uh, maybe AI. Maybe AI. Exercise? Like some 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 future. Yeah, AI, exercise was definitely a part of it. But like, um, I don't know. I think I would have landed on some like futuristic sci-fi technology to be some sort of content producer about. That's probably the easiest answer. That was going to be my answer too, especially after that Eliezer episode. It's yeah. like uh, AI podcaster. Should, should we pivot the podcast, David? But but seriously, well, we don't. We? we have more AI content coming, so maybe this future is actually <laughs> going to manifest. That's a great question. All right, let's get wait, some wait, takes. Wait, wait, was that is that that was your answer? Is like AI podcaster? I look. It would have to be some. I, you know, nothing quite like. There's nothing like crypto on the planet. It's just like, like it's just it ties so many of my interests together. It's just like finance, investing, startups, economics, politics, mm-hmm. um, social theory, like psychology is just everything. Right. Um, yeah. I think I would be an investor, though, no matter what. Sure. Like there yeah. would have to be some cross section of entrepreneurship and investing, and I'd probably gravitate more towards that than content production. I mean, you're the one who is like, Dave, Ryan, we should start a podcast. And I was like, ah. I don't know. So I don't have <laughs> I don't, quite I don't the, really see it. <laughs> yeah. I don't have the uh, content producing uh gene but there's mm-hmm. something i lo- love about investing and that is like investing is just um you get rewarded when you're right mm-hmm. it's this like so many fields um it's impossible to ever find truth mm-hmm. like how do you find truth how do you know if you're right right uh, investing fulfills that gratification for me of like uh you're in the game and you're playing and um you can be right and you can be wrong and there's like some underlying truth to it and I, I don't think I could um, I could leave that side of things. And that's more, more yeah. interesting than the investing side is just you think about something, apply a thesis, and you get you get an answer to the hypothesis. 
right? Mm -hmm. If you're right or not. And uh, investing, I think, rewards that more than just about anything else. Maybe science does, but I don't have the patience for science, I think. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a good take. Uh, Elon Musk, that's a take of the week. (laughs) What's he saying? Okay, says Elon. What should we do about it? Question mark. Uh, what is he talking about? Uh, he is replying to a, twi- a tweet from Lyron Shapira, Lyron Shapira, who tweets out, what if AI is going to literally slaughter every living, living creature on this planet in the next three years? Watch Eliezer Udowski's new interview on Bankless and see why that's not even a joke. Uh, and then he makes a tweet thread with clips and, and other threads. And then Elon responds to this tweet. Uh, okay, what should we do about it? Which, Ryan, uh, when I saw that tweet, I'm like, oh, I thought, he, I thought you knew. Bro. Isn't that what you said? <laughs> yeah. Wait, isn't that your job, Elon? <laughs> yeah. I mean, what should we do about it, David? <laughs> is uh, this... My only solution, Ryan, is to help further this conversation. That's my only contribution I have to solving this problem, is making more content about it so people can know about it. So that will not be the last word on AI that you hear on Bankless. All right, David yeah. and I are thinking through some, some next guests. We've got some names in mind. We'll be doing mm-hmm. some, some re- reach out. Um, Eliezer, I think had a really interesting perspective, but it's not mm-hmm. the only perspective in this, in this space. And I think, look, we're not going to pivot the podcast into a, an AI alignment podcast, Mm-mm. but we are going to explore this topic. What did we just say earlier? Crypto touches everything. Everything. Yeah. And it certainly touches artificial intelligence and artificial intelligence touches it. This mm-hmm. is, um, I think between crypto and AI, these are the most interesting technologies, at least to me for the next decade. No question about it. They will intersect in all sorts of interesting ways. Yeah, and and it was interesting. We put out the uh, this podcast with Eliezer titled "We're All Gonna Die," which talks about the AI alignment problem. Which in TLDR is like, if we make a super intelligent AI, we don't know how to make it care about our existence. It might consider us completely. Uh, it might be just be completely indifferent to us, and we it might use. Eliezer us. thinks that's a base case. It's not a. That, he, he thinks prob- that's the base probability. case. He thinks that's like. And so far, no one has really been able to argue against that. Some people diminish how big of a deal that question is, uh, but that is, uh, I think, the issue. We released this uh, episode a week early, and then the Bankless Nation Discord was an AI Discord for a week because that's all (laughs) they would talk about it in there. And then there's like another Discord that I'm in, and like I brought up some of these questions in here, and they started talking about AI. Yeah. And then this uh, this uh, this episode goes public, and all of crypto Twitter for at least a day starts talking about AI. And so, Ryan, I, I haven't told you this, but Vitalik messaged me this morning. He goes, "By the way, I'm not sure if you realize the extent to which that one episode has made a huge public impact, raising the awareness on the AI safety issue." And so, like, wow. this is how much this conversation, the Eliezer's like warnings, have been like push to the back of people's minds. And so like now it's actually kind of good that I think a non AI podcast is promoting this conversation because no one else is doing it. Yeah. Um, so I, absolutely. We're, we're also uh, privileged with the ability to ask the really dumb questions, yes. which uh, yes. I think we did. Like, the dumb questions are what's on everyone's mind too. Right. So I, um, right. I actually, like I was in a bad place after that episode, but at the same time, I'm very glad that we did it. And mm-hmm. uh, I think there'll be more, uh, from that too. Okay, David, what do we have? A uh, tweet from Frank DeGods, who's also a podcast guest this week. Mm-hmm. What problem do NFTs solve? That's in quotes. People want to buy digital goods. <laughs> That's it. That's Mike the problem drop. it solves. Mic drop. Like, it, I think it's so, like, people who think, like, does that really need to be an F- NFT? I think is an invalid question. It's like, why not? People, people like buying sometimes stuff. Sometimes you, you must like this guy, Frank DeGods, because, like, sometimes I hear you say this sort of thing. People like yeah. the JPEGs. I'm like, but why is the JPEG going up? This is the early days. Right. People like JPEGs. 
<laughs> That's all it is. Don't think about it. Isn't it? You don't, don't have to overthink it. it. <laughs> this okay, is so th this, this is a, a take that I put out that I want to get your judgment on, Ryan. Can um, I read it? Yeah, you, you, you can go it? for it. Yeah. Okay, this is from, from you. Uh, if you bought a token on the open market, you're allowed to shill to your heart's content. Any, any other form of acquiring a token probably requires disclosures in order to promote a token that you specifically issued. It's never appropriate to promote. Okay, let me look through that again. Three rules, three Hoffman rules here. <laughs> if you bought it on the open market, you can shill it. Number two, any other form of acquiring a token probably requires disclosure in order to promote. Okay, so if you got it as an advisor or you got it as a gift or something like this, mm -hmm. or as a sponsorship. Right. Number three, a token that you specifically issued, it's never appropriate to promote. Um, I agree with all of those. One thing that I might put an asterisk on in number one is not just if you bought it on the open market, but if you bought it on the open market and you have some kind of um, an, like a, a bias in that. Mm -hmm. Like, let's say you own over like 2% of the supply or 5% of the supply. Mm -hmm. Or let's say that it comprises like a substantial portion of your net worth. Like it's 50% of your net worth or something like that. Then that's the asterisk I would also put. That, that also probably should be disclosed yeah. or people should be generally aware that that's the case too. Mm -hmm. uh, otherwise, I think that these are... Hoffman rules are fantastic rules uh, for disclosures, and I think more people should be following them. Yeah, um, thank you. Uh, and I would say that these are all just rules of thumb. There are plenty of instances where like some of these things won't apply. For example, a token that you specifically issued. If you're an artist and you're making NFTs and that's your like uh, income, absolutely show that. If it's art, show that to the nth degree. You're an artist. This is more about like these things as financial assets. I would say. I agree. And then yeah. even then you're shilling the art, which yes. is the product, and you're yes. not necessarily shilling, shilling the finance. Kind of the, yeah, the price. exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. David, here's a take here. What's this? Oh, God. Uh, so this is Zero uh, X Edgar, um, who's tweeting out the uh, SEC case against Terra Luna. By the end of May 2022, UST, Luna, Wrapped Luna, and Mir uh, were essentially worthless, wiping out more than $40 billion in combined market value. Domestic institutional investors experienced billions of dollars in losses in market valuations. Countless retail investors lost their life savings and ended up in debt as a result of a collapse. Here's the punchline. For example, a pharmacist in California borrowed $400,000 against the value of his home to purchase UST and lost his entire investment. A painter in Vermont invested $20,000 in UST set aside for his son's college education, but lost it all when the Terraform ecosystem collapsed. Oof. Um, don't do that. Don't, I mean, yes, Do Kwan is at fault. Also take some responsibility and don't invest your college science education or your home to buy a financial asset. What do we do about this, David? I don't know. Like at some point this is, this is always how frauds and like scams and Ponzi schemes like work. For some reason they just attract the reptile brain of so many people out there who don't know how to think about these things. And then they mm. do stupid stuff like mortgaging $400,000 against the value of your own home to purchase UST. One, one take I think is just, you have to have a investor mindset and that includes like an investor psychology. Right. So you can like feel yourself FOMOing into something like yeah. that is a, that is a feeling, you, you know, that to be feeling, conscious yeah. of. if you start to feel rising up in you, this feeling of like, get rich I need quick it now. Yeah. I need it now. This could be an overnight thing. Like buy, buy, buy. You should always cast doubt on that feeling. Yep. Go yep. 
go for a jog, take a hot shower, like really consider it, give mm-hmm. it due diligence, wait three months and see if you still feel that way. Like it's, we can't, no one can protect you. Gary Gensler can't protect you against all of the different ways that you can kind of like think you're investing your money and you're actually investing it in a scam or a scheme. Um, so that's on you. And my hope is that people just develop better instincts and better defense and uh, better investor psychology around this mm-hmm. stuff. That's that's the only protection. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what else do we do? Oh, I don't know. Uh, okay, this was a, a fun thread. This is uh, Pac-Man from Blur. Uh, when I did my interview with him, he was the person on the right. Uh, this uh, AI-generated... Um, uh, not AI generated, but just like cartoon like version of anime. Him. Yeah. Is it, but it was also animated. So when he opened his mouth, the anime person opened his mouth and also moved around. Uh, but then, so this is a, a web two me versus web three me person uh, tweet thread. Yeah. And so uh, Pac-Man and most of the blur team have all been anonymous, but Pac-Man puts out this thread doxing himself uh, and telling a little story about how blur came to be and who he is. And so I always think it's a fun story of when Anon founders decide to un Anon themselves to dox themselves. Uh, and so if you are curious to hear that story, a very human story of the founder behind blur, uh, there's a link in the show notes. Very cool. All right, David. Uh, what are you bullish on this week, my friend? Uh, I mean, <laughs> uh, so I'm bullish on layer twos. Uh, I'm bullish on the OP stack. Uh, I'm bullish on so much of this being proving a lot of the bankless theses that we've been beating the drum with for years now. Um, What's more to say, I'm also bullish, though, uh, East Denver, which uh, in about one hour, I'm taking a flight out to East Denver to go. And so I will see all of you there, especially those going to the Bankless Meetup. I have never missed an East Denver. It is the most magical time of the year. Uh, and so I'm bullish on all of these things, Ryan. More magical than Christmas, David? Yes, it is. The most magical time of the year for David. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Wow. It's de- definitely go say hi to David. He'll be wearing a big Bankless shirt. I think mm-hmm. a lot of the, the Bankless folks will be too. We have, the community we have will be nine too. Bankless team members going to eat But then there's huge representation in the Bankless nation. I, oh, God, uh, yeah. Yeah. You count, count the number of... Uh, bankless the, shirts that you see? Yeah, Bankless yeah. shirts that you see. Um, yeah. Dow punks, yeah. Bankless Dow shirts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot of culture there. Exporting yeah. culture. Exactly. And what, uh, what are you excited for, Ryan? I... Agree with you. And look, um, you promised not to front run me this time. And then, you know, I did it. I, I, kept got, it I got front run, but you kept, kept it shorter. Kept it shorter. Uh, you can it's, a gr- it's a great day to be going bankless. Um, I think this is, a, you know, with 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 the, the launch or the announcement of the launch of base, this is further proving out a lot of the theses we've had in this space for a while. Um, protocol sync thesis. OK, this idea that the most credibly neutral technologies and coordination structures will kind of sink to the bottom and form the base of everything else. They'll be forced to build on top of this. The idea being like uh, a Ethereum, for instance, or a DeFi protocol that is incredibly decentralized, like, like a Uniswap, for instance, will be at the basis. That's a thesis that we've talked about from the very beginning. We've been bullish on layer twos for a very long time. In fact, David, we predicted that a major exchange would launch on a layer two um, when people thought that that was stupid and foolish and like, why would they, why wouldn't they all launch their own chains and mm-hmm. create their own tokens? And isn't that, uh, the game theory of it? Um, turns out it's not the DeFi mullet, this idea that we'd have kind of banks in the front, FinTech in the front and DeFi in the back, um, Ethereum, the network being a settlement layer for the world, a settlement layer for other crypto banks first, and then for all banks that be- bank ledger systems would essentially become either layer twos or side chains on Ethereum. I mean, this is how we go bankless. 
this is how this movement wins. And it's just very gratifying to see this thesis um, playing out. Like um, the bankless thesis works. Yep. Sometimes you just got to wait. Yep. Right. And like, I don't know, I'm just, I'm very excited about um, this, this movement, some of the ideas that, that we've talked about from the very beginning actually coming to life. And uh, this week was just a major event for that. So a Oof. major exchange, yeah. 110 million users now launching a layer two. So essentially bending the knee to Ethereum in the process, bending the knee to decentralization, bending the knee to the people and um, do, doing kind of the right thing, embracing crypto values. And it's really cool to see. So this is another, um, this is getting me out of the funk of 2022. You know, it's like, it's just such a hangover from 2022. It just, I felt gross at the end of 2022. And this kind of thing, this builder's momentum, it's not even about prices. Who cares about prices? The prices aren't pumping on this news. I don't care. I don't care at all. It doesn't matter. Wall Street doesn't understand this. Why, why would we expect um, the price of Coinbase stock to pump? Uh, I don't even think the crypto market it's understands down, how big this is. Coin, coin price is down 1.5%. Good. That's great. <laughs> like, that's the thing. I don't even care anymore because I know that this thesis is going to play out in, um, you know, in, in kind of the right direction. And uh, anyway, slowly. it's just a, yes. slowly, slowly. It's not overnight. Again, get rich uh, slowly. Yeah. And uh, anyway, I'm also very excited for uh, for these things. And uh, that's all I have to say about that. I'm excited for just millions of more layer two users. Yeah, right. That's gonna be great. Maybe we can get our grandma to use uh, grandmas to use uh, layer twos. That point. is the bull case for base is that Coinbase grandma? is the front end for its own. Yes, grandma <laughs> is the front end for the base chain. And they just fix all of the UX and UI issues that are plaguing. I'm working like, on my parents. You know, my parents yeah. had just they have funds on an exchange. Mm -hmm. They've never really done much in crypto, right? Like right. in crypto, they're not yeah, crypto that's, natives. That's like the base case, yeah. Yeah, like most, most parents. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know about grandma. She might be a little, uh, you know. I'll help grandma. It's okay if grandma doesn't. That's all right. That's it. Meme of the week time. You ready? Let's do it. What do we got? Do it. This is the change my mind format, and we got Gary Gensler sitting real comfy, drinking some coffee, saying everything's a security. Change my mind. I can't change his mind. I don't, I don't think I can change his mind, but I can hopefully help people make that invalid. Not that the opinion of the United States government, Gary. I remember better. my wise co-host once saying, Gary Gensler, if everything is a security, then nothing is a security. Right. Mm -hmm. I think that's that exactly is the right. truth. You can't that's have exactly right. everything be a security, Gary. Uh, that's where we'll end it. David, we got a really cool moment of Zen coming up mm -hmm. that uh, I think you should tease and provide some context for. So this is the second um, song put together by El Coco No, who is a Bankless Nation citizen, also part of the Bankless DAO. Uh, they, this is a, a ballad, the ballad of Alexi, uh, the, of course, uh, software developer behind Tornado Cash, who is still in jail. Uh, and so it's a very long song. It's like four plus minutes written by El Coco No all by himself. Uh, I think you are absolutely going to enjoy this one. And if you are interested in collecting this, this is an NFT that is available on OpenSea if you really enjoy this song. Guys, I should uh, end with the risks and disclaimers. As always, before we get to the moment of Zen, crypto is risky. You could definitely lose what you put in, but we are headed west. This is the frontier. It's not for everyone, but we're glad you're with us on the bankless journey. Thanks a lot.
Holland is simping for the U.S. For the big strong government they're trying to impress And they don't give a shit about the scared young kid That they've locked in a cage When all he did was fight for the fundamental rights For which our ancestors paid the ultimate price The trial's not over, there's still time To fight for Alexei and all mankind Inequity just grows and grows and often this results God knows in rebellion and war against the bourgeoisie and all kinds of things we don't want to see. So we said instead of starting a fight we'll build a city in the sky where we treat people right and you can keep your banks and your powers that be and we'll pay your taxes and if need be we'll contort our DAOs into LLCs and we'll create your CBDC for free and help undermine totalitarian regimes and we'll even jumpstart your economy and give you what you need to withstand the Chinese even before it's something you know that you need and we'll help to build a future maybe less captured by greed and you didn't say stop when we started to build and we thought it was because our city fulfilled all the freedoms ideals and rights that speak to human nature of all types but as it turns out that wasn't it you just ignored what you thought wasn't a threat and then you went and broke down alexi's door and you drug him off like a prisoner of war and for three long months there was no charge as you pat each other's backs and your heads got large but you didn't realize when you snagged your prize that history will write you as the bad guys our tech is neutral but our movement is not and personal sovereignty is what we want you crossed a line now make it right because we're an enemy you won't know how to fight but Holland is simping for the U.S. For the big strong government they're trying to impress And they don't give a shit about the scared young kid That they've locked in a cage when all he did was fight For the fundamental rights for which our ancestors paid the ultimate price The trial's not over, there's still time to fight for Alexei and all mankind A lot of folks struggled, fought and died So certain rights wouldn't get brushed aside And when we think back we're filled with pride Citizens, politicians side by side But there's a hungry beast that we just can't sate And that monster's name is the nation state And no matter how much we all want to believe The monster just grows without reprieve Well we have a new weapon to fight this fight And we ask our officials to do what's right forget your power and your fucking greed the world's changing quickly and we need for you to fight for humanity instead of destroying people's lives just to bolster your career because that's a shitty way to get ahead
So Holland, go tell Alexi, go home to your wife. She loves you and is afraid for your life. We overreacted and that's on us. We hope the rest of the world will trust that they can still visit Amsterdam because we're actually not an authoritarian regime. And we regret our actions regarding Alexi to the extreme.